0: Section 16 of Astounding Stories 6, June 1930. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marty on the Central Coast of California. Astounding Stories 6, June 1930. The Moon Master by Charles W. Dippin. Part 2. The globe ceased to grow and held constant. Winslow cut the exhaust to a gentler blast. They were definitely within the moon's gravitational field. Their last hold upon the earth was severed. The great globe was revolving beneath them. How about it? Foster asked breathlessly. It doesn't revolve like that. Not the moon. We have approached from the earth's side, said the other, but we have overshot it. Say that the moon is revolving or say that we are swinging about in an orbit of our own. It's all the same thing and soon he added slowly we shall see he faltered and his lips trembled and refused to frame the words of a dream that was coming true we shall see the lost side of the moon what will it be what will it be to foster the whole experience had now the unreality of a dream he could not bring himself into mental focus his thoughts were blurred his emotions dead they were approaching the moon he told himself It was the moon that was there below him, slowly enlarging now as their own earth had hung below them, but dwindling when they left. The moon, he told himself over and over, the moon, it is real. But the numbness in his brain would not be shaken off. His voice when he spoke was casual. He might have been speaking of any commonplace, a ball game or a good show. The sun is coming from my right, he said. We are going around toward the dark side of the moon. Shall you land there? Winslow shook his head. Wait, he said, and watch. Jerry returned to his circle of glass. There was a shading of light on the surface below him. From the right, the sun's brilliance threw black shadows and bright beams transversely over a wilderness of volcanic waste. And beyond, where the rays could not reach, was a greater dissolution of darkness, its blackness relieved only by a dim light he realized with a start of amazement that the dim light he saw was that of their own earth far above. It was lighting their approach to this sister orb. Their side motion was swift as they drew nearer. Another hour and more, and they were drawing toward an expanse of utter darkness. The earth-light was fading where they passed. They were approaching, in very fact, the other side of the moon. What was below? What mysteries awaited them? he shivered despite the warmth of the generator cherry red that heated the snug cabin shivered with unformed thoughts of unknown terrors but he forced his voice to calm steadiness when he repeated his question to winslow must we land there he asked in the dark the inventor was piloting his ship with ceaseless concentration their falling speed was checked they were close enough so that the whistling of the air was heard merging with the thunder of their exhaust he moved the rheostat under his hand and the thunder slackened no he said you are forgetting your astronomy this other side is subject to the same conditions as the near side the sun shines on them alike but alternately we are rounding the limb away from the sun we find as you see a darkness that is absolute except for the light of the stars here the earth never shines and the sun only during the lunar day But the sun is creeping down this other side their day equal to fifteen of our days is beginning we shall come into the light again i am checking our motion across the surface we shall land when it seems best later on there will be light the thin strong hands of the pilot played over the current and valve controls their ship slowly swung and dipped to a horizontal position a blast from below held them off from the moon the bowport was roaring as their speed slowly decreased. Minutes merged endlessly into long hours as Jerry's eager eyes strained to detect some definite form on the surface beneath. Dimly a glow appeared far ahead. Slowly the darkness faded. They were moving ahead, but their wild speed was checked, and slowly the new earth below took on outline and form as the sun's glow crept over it. What would the light disclose? His mind held irrationally to thoughts his reasons would have condemned. He found himself watching for people, for houses, lights gleaming from windows. This in a region of cold that approached the absolute zero. The reality came as a shock. The first rays that crept into vision were silvery fingers of light. They reflected up to the heights in glittering brilliance. They gathered and merged as the ship drove on toward the sunrise and they showed to the watching eyes a wondrous a marvelous world a world that was snowbound weighted and blanketed with a mantle of white to jerry the truth came as a crushing a horrible blow he turned slowly to look at his companion to look and be startled anew by the happiness depicted on the lean face i knew it the pilot was saying i always knew it but now-now he was speechless with joy It's terrible said foster he almost resented the other's elation it's hell just a frozen hell of desolation man man was the response can't you see look the whiteness we see is snow a snow of carbon dioxide the cold is beyond guessing but the clear places the vast fields it's ice man it's ice horrible jerry shuddered beautiful said the other marvelous think think what that means it means water in the hot lunar day it means vapor and clouds in the sky it means that where that is there is air life perhaps god alone knows all that it means and we too shall know the ship settled slowly to the surface of the new world black blobs of shadows became distinct craters volcanoes rose slowly to meet them to drift aside and rise above as they sank to the floor of a valley. They came to rest upon a rocky floor. On all sides their windows showed a waste of torn and twisted rock. Volcanic mountains towered to the heights, their sides streaked with masses of lava, frozen to stillness these countless years from its molten state. The rising sun, its movement imperceptible, cast long slanting rays between the peaks it lighted a ghostly world white with thick hoar frost of solid carbon dioxide a silent world locked in the stillness of cold near the absolute zero not a breath of air stirred no flurry of snow gave semblance of life to the scene their generator was stillen and the silence after the endless roaring of endless days was overpowering but winslow pointed exultantly from one window where an icy expanse could be seen that will be water he said water when the sun has risen he turned on the generator for warmth the cold was striking through the thick insulated walls they sat silent peering out upon the boundless desolation upon a world's breathless nakedness exposed for the first time in all eternity to human eyes. Jerry's mind was searching for some means of expression, but the words would not come. There were neither words nor coherent thoughts to give vent to the emotions that surged within him. Their watches showed the passage of nearly two earth days before they dared venture forth. They watched the white mantle of frost vanish into gas from the darkness that they called West winds rust shriekingly into the sunrise convection currents winslow explained off under the sun in the direct rays the heat grows intense the air rises this is rushing in to fill the void it will serve our ends too it will churn the air into a mixture we can breathe dispel the thick layer of co2 that must have formed close to the ground more hours and the icy sheet was melting. A film of water rippled in the gusts of wind. Winslow opened the release valve that would permit the escape of air from their chamber, equalizing the pressures within and without. The air hissed through the valve, and he closed it so the escape was gradual. We must exercise, he told Jerry. We will decompress slowly, like divers coming up from the deep sea work. But watch yourself, he warned. Remember. You are six times as strong as you were on earth don't jump through the roof the valve had ceased to hiss when winslow opened it wide the air in their cabin was thin their lungs labored heavily at first jerry felt as he had felt more than once at some great elevation on earth but they lived and they could breathe and they were about to do what never man had done to set foot on this place men called the unknown side of the moon earth habits were strong jerry brought his pistol and a hunting knife out of his pack and hung them at his belt as the inventor opened the door and sniffed cautiously of the air jerry foster's blood was racing the air was cold on his face as he rushed out but it brought to his nostrils odors strange and yet strangely familiar he was oddly light-headed irresponsible as a child as he shouted and danced and threw himself high in the air, to laugh childishly at the pure pleasure of his light landing. The sun made long shadows of two ludicrous figures that went leaping and racing across the rocks. Their strength was prodigious, and they were filled with an upwelling joy of living and the combined urge of an eternity of springtimes. The very air tingled with life, there was overpowering intoxication in this potent, exhilarating breath from a world new-born. The ground that they crossed so recklessly was a vast honeycomb of caves. Between the rocks the soil was soft with the waters from melting ice, and the men laughed as they floundered at times in the oozing mud. Beyond was a lake, and it was blue with a depth of color that was almost black. A reflection of the deep velvet blackness of the sky overhead and beyond that was the sloping side of an extinct volcano up up jerry shouted from up there we will see the whole world the whole moon he laughed as he repeated the exultant phrase the moon the whole moon despite their strength which carried them in wild bounds across impassable chasms Their laboring lungs checked them in the ascent. The joyous inebriation was wearing off. Winslow met his companion's eyes sheepishly as they stopped, where a sheer cliff of basalt above caught and held the warmth of the sun's rays. Behind them it rose a straight hundred feet, and before stretched a vast panorama. The sun was mounting now in the sky it brought into strong relief the welter of volcanic waste that extended in bold detail through the clear air far out to the horizon where misty and dim the first vaporous clouds were forming from the steaming earth as they watched the depressing bareness and emptiness of that gray-black expanse was changing far to the east a pink flush was spreading on the hills it wavered and flowed and it changed as they watched To deep areas of orange and red. The delicate pink swept in waves over valleys and hills, a vast kaleidoscopic coloration that rioted over a strange world. In silence it spilled into the valley below. The slope that they had traversed was radiant with color. At their feet the ground was in motion. It heaved and rolled in countless places. Rounded shapes in myriads were emerging. Plants, mushroom growths, poured up from the earth to drink in the sunshine of their brief summer. They burst the earth to show unfolding leaves or blunted, rounding heads that grew before the men's incredulous eyes. Winslow was the first to recover from the stupefying beauty of the spectacle. The machine, he gasped, back to the ship. We'll be swamped, overwhelmed, he rushed madly down the slope. Jerry was beside him, a revulsion of feeling, driving him to frantic efforts. The piercing beauty that had enthralled him has become a thing of terror. The soft, pulpy, growing things that crushed beneath his feet were a menace in their lust for life. They were a mile and more from the machine. Could they ever find it, Jerry wondered. The whole landscape was changed. Bare rocks were half-hidden now under clinging, creeping vines. Only the sun remained as a guide. They must go toward the sun and a little north. He followed Winslow, who was circling a huge area of weird growths that already were waist high. They leaped across a gaping chasm and fought their way over a low hill, rank with vegetation, only to be confronted by a maze of great stalks, stalks that sprouted as they watched, dismayed, and threw out grotesque and awkward branches. They made one futile effort to force their way but the trunks though pliant were unyielding to attempt to find their way through the labyrinth was folly we've got to keep on trying said jerry foster we've got to get back or-winslow as the look in his eyes showed needed no ending to that sentence there was the summer of a lunar day ahead the inventor did not need to be told of the scorching broiling heat that would wither the land when the sun struck from straight overhead and in the ship was food and water and a means of transport to the cooler heights above it was jerry who took charge of the situation here was a prodigious laboratory in which winslow's science was useless but in fighting with nature even natured in as weird and terrifying a mood as this jerry felt himself not entirely incompetent he looked about him it had been but an hour since they watched the first onslaught of this life that engulfed them and now they were cut off through an opening where bare rocks made a rift in the vegetation he saw again the high ground where they had stood there was more rock there on the volcanic slope the growing things were in clumps islands rather than continents of rank growth we must go back he told winslow and climb while we can get to the high ground take bearings on the place where we left the ship we'll look over the ground and figure some way to get there winslow nodded he was plainly bewildered lost in the new jungle he followed jerry who bounded across a crevice in the earth the ground was rotten with the honeycomb of caves and cracks jerry forced his way through and over a rock heap where the thick trunks of nightmare trees were spaced farther apart there was an opening ahead he started forward then stopped abruptly and motioned the other to silence from beyond them came sounds there was a rending of soft pliant tissue. The sound came through the thin air from a grove up ahead where big plants were waving, though the wind had long since ceased. To their ears came a snoring, blubbering snuffle. A stone was dislodged to come bounding toward them from the hillside. The soft plants were flattened before it. The men cowered in the shelter of a giant fungus. Beyond the rocks, above the mottled reds and yellows of the grotesque trees, a head appeared. It waved at the end of a long leathery neck. All mouth, it seemed to the watchers, as they saw a pair of short forelegs pull the succulent tops of the giant growth into a capacious maw. Below, there was a visible part of a gigantic grayish body. It was crashing down toward them, eating greedily as it came back said jerry softly go back to that cave we'll hide there in some crack in the ground they picked their way noiselessly over the rocks the cave they had crossed offered a refuge from the beast it went slantingly down into the ground a great tunnel deep in the rock they dropped into the opening and started forward only to recoil at the fetid stench that assailed their nostrils a bear pit gasped jerry great heavens what a smell they stopped dismayed far below them in the bowels of some subterranean passage was the crashing of loose stone a scrambling and scratching of great claws came echoing to them they leaped madly for the outer air over here jerry directed and led the way crouching to the concealment of great stalks and vine-covered rocks he pointed toward the open ground where they had been a few minutes before the tree-eater was out in full view its flabby barrel-like body was squatted like that of some unearthly giant toad on massive hind legs it sat erect its forelegs hung in air as a hoarse snarling cry came from the cave the great head perched on the long leathery neck waved from side to side the noise from the cave ceased the rift in the earth was in plain sight from where they cowered and the eyes of the men were upon it one instant it was empty the next in uncanny silence it was filled with huge hideousness an enormous crouching beast it was black a dull leathery black its thick hairless hide hung in creases and folds on a gaunt frame shorter than the tree-eater it was still a thing of mammoth ugliness its hind legs were powerful and armed with claws that curved deep into the earth its front legs displayed the same fearful weapons a thick heavy tail slashed forward and back over the ground and from this to the grinning heavy toothed jaws and beady eyes where the long neck ended in a warty head it was an incarnation of pitiless ferocity Was the scent of the hidden, shuddering men in its red nostrils? It forgot them at the sight of the beast in the clearing. The snarling cry echoed hideously in the thin air as the frightful body came erect with neck extended, jaws open and dripping. It hurled itself through the air in one terrific leap. Had there been any lingering hope in the minds of the men that they had no carnivores to deal with? The ensuing struggle ended it the attacker tore great masses of living flesh from the struggling screaming body the first cumbersome brute was helpless before its destroyer jerry was trembling and sick at the sight but he grasped his companion's arm and drew him after as he slipped quietly away to the high ground he whispered it's our only hope perhaps we can fight them off there find some steep rock we can climb they worked their way desperately through the rubbery obstructing growth at the foot of the hill there was better going the bare rock gave winding and twisting passage to the heights they could have leaped over the stunted growths here could have raced frantically for the high ground but they dared not to leap up into view of those fierce searching eyes it was unthinkable they crouched low as they darted from their concealment to new shelter and crawled behind rocks when open ground must be crossed they had dared regain hope when again the paralyzing scream ripped through the silence it was answered by another and another from distant points the valley of the caves was spewing out its loathsome dwellers from their winter sleep the men raced openly now for the heights as he leaped jerry turned to see over one shoulder a pursuer appear it was one of the flesh eaters head to the ground on their trail At sight of them its cry rang out again. It bounded forward in pursuit, and again there were answering screams from the jungle growth. The men threw themselves frantically up the mountainside. Once Winslow landed in a sprawling heap and groaned as he drew himself to his feet. The beast was below them. Jerry seized a great boulder, whose earth weight would have made it immovable. He raised it above his head and sent it crashing down the slope. Another and another he threw. One struck the great beast in midair. It was pure luck that drove the stone crashing against the creature's head. It fell back with a blood-chilling snarl that was half-shriek. Another monster appeared to throw itself upon the first and tear at the crushed, waving head. Jerry took his companion by the arm. His voice came strangled from his straining lungs. "'Are you hurt?' he gasped. "'Can you run?' Winslow nodded breathlessly, again they gathered themselves for their wild leaping retreat toward the top, an uproar of furious fighting behind them marked where a score of the monsters had gathered for the feast. Jerry watched vainly for some refuge, some pinnacle of rock or precipice they could climb and from which they could beat down their attackers. There was nothing but the welter of volcanic waste, rock heaps and boulders and smooth streams of solid lava perhaps in the crater he thought over the ragged crests of the cone might be some place of safety the pack was in full cry again as they climbed gaspingly to the top beyond lay the funnel-shaped crater its vast inner slopes were less steep than the hill they had climbed they were covered with a jungle like those they had seen a maze of red toadstools and distorted trees jerry turned savagely to face the oncoming brutes this he knew was the end for this, they had hurled themselves through space to make a morning morsel for these incredible beasts. End of section sixteen recorded by Marty on the Central Coast of California.